0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
1: Hey
2: everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is a joy to be with you today on Monday, January 22nd, 2024. We are zooming through January, are we not? And we're going to be above freezing today in Chicago. What? I cannot believe it. It's a joy to be with you. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope you had a wonderful weekend morning, Charles. Never fear. We're about to come back up on YouTube and, and Facebook and just in the next couple of days. I am so excited about that. Cannot wait to see you and cannot wait to reconnect our community. Everybody, let's talk about the 2024 race. Ron DeSantis is out, Governor DeSantis is out, and that just leaves Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor, former U.N. ambassador in the Trump administration, uh, leaves her facing off against former President Trump. Will she hang in there? I mean, she's got um, not a lead in New Hampshire, but a healthy chunk of the vote, 41%, according to a CNN poll, and he's got 54%. Um, that's nothing to sneeze at. Nothing to sneeze at. But... What is going to happen in that race? And what is happening on the Democratic side? On the Democratic side, yeah, you actually do have Dean Phillips, the representative from uh, Minnesota. You also have Marianne Williamson. You have RFK Jr., who jumped out of the Democratic race and said, I'm going to run as an independent. You've got Cornell West. Uh, Where is this race going? And does anyone have the strength to... If he took a snapshot today to defeat Trump, what is it going to take? It seems that with each indictment, with each trial, he goes from strength to strength. He said that could happen we said that in all likelihood that would happen just given the mood of americans so we need to talk about that today i am sandita jackson coming to you from the nation's largest progressive talk radio station wcpt uh, and am 950 radio the voice of progressive minnesota we are getting ready for the democratic convention this summer if you want to find out the latest and the greatest on what's going to be happening at that convention Keep it right here on WCPT, 820 AM, Chicago's Progressive Talk, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota. It's going to be something special, everybody, something special. So let us get right into it, because we have got a lot to talk about today. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. 773, 763, WCPT, whatever you say about Trump, he is the strongest candidate on the Republican side, and he is looking increasingly like he's going to be their nominee. We've got the weakest candidate on the Democratic side, who's increasingly looking like he's going to become the nominee. How's that going to work out? See, that's my concern. That's my concern and I want us to talk about this today because I'm not trying to bury the Democrats. What I'm trying to do is find out how we can resurrect them because without a presidential primary, a lot of the big issues that excite and incite the electorate, the democratic electorate, or the electorate on the left, because everybody's not a Democrat, you don't have to be. But this conversation is missing over here. Okay. I mean, you're going to have your congresspersons running in both houses. You're going to have local and, and county and state officials running, and you need to pay attention to all of that, the Supreme Court justices who are running. But it is the presidential primary that excites everybody and pushes everybody uh, to get involved in this, in this process. Oh, we don't have that on the Democratic side. Mm. So, call me. Who do you think, do you who do you think, if you had to take a snapshot today and look at, Who's running? Who do you think is going to win in the fall on the presidential side? Call me at 773 Or if you could be a campaign advisor, what would you advise the Democrats to do? 773-763-WCPT, 773-763. I want to know what your thoughts are, everybody, because we need to talk about this. If we want to have... Any kind of hope? Oh my gosh! Of winning the presidency in the fall, it means a whole lot. Let's get to some of these headlines, everybody. Ron DeSantis ended his presidential campaign because he struggled to connect with voters and persuade Republicans to back him over Donald Trump, who relentlessly attacked the former, excuse me, the current Florida governor with demeaning nicknames, but. He just never connected with people, everybody. The former president is speeding toward clinching the 2024 Republican nomination, but we'll see what's going to happen with Nikki Haley, everybody. DeSantis endorsed Trump in his announcement video yesterday. Mm, And so we will see what's going to happen in tomorrow's primary in New Hampshire. The death toll in Gaza has passed 25,000 people, according to the Gaza Health Ministry. They also said 62,681 people have been wounded in the war. Wow, which began after Hamas militants killed about 1,200 people in Israel on October 7th. In related news, Iranian-backed militants attacked an airbase housing U.S. troops in Iraq on Saturday. Further fueling concerns of a wider conflict in the Middle East, at least 27 people were killed in a blast in a Russian controlled part of Ukraine. President Biden will announce abortion and contraception protections today. They include guidance to take no cost contraceptives more widely, to make them more widely available, and a team that aims to ensure access to emergency abortions in U.S. hospitals. Uh, It's the 51st anniversary of the Roe v. Wade rule, which was overturned in 2022. And and President Biden is trying to draw a comparison with Republican challengers who support strict abortion limits. Nearly three quarters of states could see earthquake damage in the next century. And the NFL Conference Championships are set. The Baltimore Ravens host the Kansas City team for the AFC title. And the San Francisco 49ers will host the Detroit Lions for the NFC title. And both games are next Sunday. And those are some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. You know, uh, it is going to be above freezing today, everybody. Beautiful, beautiful day, 32 degrees in Chicago, but we will have snow and rain, snow and rain. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 30 degrees, just below freezing, cloudy, cloudy. Mm. All right, everybody, in the NHL, uh, the sh- Chicago team will be playing the Canucks, and the Wild were triumphant over the Hurricanes 5-2 yesterday, and tonight the Bulls will be facing off against the Suns, and the Timberwolves will be facing off against the Hornets. Those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson show, you know, I have the distinct privilege every now and again of offering you a good word, good news. I figure if I can't find someone to deliver the good news uh, at any time, maybe that's God's way of prompting me to say something. So I wanted to share with you some words that I got from my, from two of my spiritual fathers. Indeed, my pastor, Reverend Clay Evans, everyone in Chicago knows him. Um, he passed away in December of 2019, but he is as alive today for me as, as he has always been. His words stay with me. And he said a couple of things that I just can't shake everybody. And I think that as we go into the election, election season, yes, as we go into the election season, because remember, Jesus was killed as a political figure, not as a spiritual figure. He was charged by the government with stirring up the people, stirring up the people to revolution to revolt against unfairness and injustice. So, when Reverend Evans said this, and when Reverend Oldest Moss, Jr., the Trinity pastor's father, one of the foremost pastors and one of the foremost theologian preachers of the past 20th century, when these two great men of God said these things to me, it made me bolt upright, and it's really helped to shape my life and how I approach my interpersonal relationships, my political relationships, everything. Reverend Evans said something, well, he said this, I've never seen God make a mouth that he could not see, and I've never seen God have a vision without making provision. We are God's vision, everybody. And God has made provision for everyone. There's, the earth is abundant, and there is enough land, water, food. There's enough of everything for everybody on earth to have an abundance. Reverend Dr. Moss followed this up for me by saying that I've never seen, he said, God will supply your every need, not your every greed. God will supply your every need, not your every greed. So on one hand, I've heard, I've I've never seen God make a mouth he could not feed. And then Reverend Dr. Maul said, God will supply your every need, not your every greed. So it made me curious. It made me curious because, you know, these great men of God have helped me to grow spiritually. They've shaped me spiritually. Indeed, they've shown me as my parents taught me, that my politics should not be shaped by my religion, which is what you see far too often on the religious right. My religion should shape my politics. That is, my sense of right and wrong tells me that I want to end the poverty. My sense of right and wrong makes me want to create a safety net beneath which no human being should fall. My sense of religion, my sense of right and wrong, makes me want to have health care for everybody and equal access to education. My sense of right and wrong means that I want everybody to have everything they need to actualize themselves. As children of God, we have that right, not the privilege, the right. Did you know that there is enough land on this earth for every human being? according to Dr. Bill Havelton from the University of Melbourne to have about five acres. But if you don't believe that, then you can go, uh, you can go to other sources and they say between two and five acres, every human being could have that. Everybody there is enough for every body in this earth, on this earth to never be hungry. Can never be without shelter, food, clothing, there's enough. So how did we get here? Well, some people believe that their need and that their greed is supposed to super, so, supersede the meeting of my needs. And we've got to stop that. Now, some people might say that that makes you socialist, it makes you communist. No, I just think it makes you right. I'm not saying that some people are not going to have more. No, I'm not saying that some people are not going to have less. What I'm saying is that people should not just exist in touch this. I'm saying that everybody should have abundance. And that guides my politics. And so whether you're Republican or Democrat, whatever your political persuasion, you can get my vote if you're going down that path. And I promise you, I promise you, if we change our thinking about what people deserve, if we, change, if we begin to let our religion shape our politics and not the opposite, your sense of right and wrong, your sense of what you know is correct, when that shapes what you want to see played out politically, it's going to be a very different world.
3: Think
2: about that. Think about that. God will supply your every need, not your every need. And God has never made a mouth that God could not feed. God's not stingy. God's not lacking. Those are human qualities. That's us. That's not God. You're not going to go up to God with an empty stomach and God will deny, you you know, that's what human beings do. We want to put you before a committee and decide whether or not you deserve to eat, live, or die, whether we're going to execute you or not. God doesn't do that. That's what we do. I hope that we have a rethink in 2024 because the road that we're on is not the road that is going to make us prosperous, and it's not going to make us good people. You know, when I was growing up, every time I left the house, my mother always said, I want you to be a young lady. And so much is shaped around a girl's virtue, you know. Now, all she wants from me and her five children is for us to be good people. So I can't get off the phone. I can't leave her presence without her saying, remember, be a good person. Take that old way, shall I say? Be a God person. Be kind. Be and be good. Be just be merciful. And that is the good news of the day. Remember, God never made a mouth. If God could not see, remember that God will supply your every need. That's not your every greed. God bless you, everybody. Dr. Shanita Knighton, how you doing today? I'm
4: doing pretty good. How are
2: you? It's great hearing your voice. What is on your mind today?
4: So I would like to talk, Santita, about around medical errors. So every Hmm. year, um, specifically in the late, like you know, as of late post-pandemic, there are approximately two hundred and fifty thousand deaths that are a result of medical errors. So medical errors, meaning, I mean, we range in from anywhere from a delay in treatment up to, let's say, a wrong site surgery. And so out of the individuals that die in the United States, because of deaths that are related to medical errors, the number one reason for that is poor communication. There are communication problems. So literally, Of the serious medical conditions, communication was 70% of the issue when it occurred. A lot of times when um, we think about those communication errors, it's always a communication breakdown. It doesn't necessarily always happen by way of the provider, but it can be by the patient. So, for example, someone may have, let's say, inadequate information about their care. And many times we might lack information that's needed to be able to help somebody to best help us. And so we don't ask the follow-up questions that maybe we should just to get clarification on what that plan of care is. This is important to me because I'm actually seeing this play out right now with my father-in-law in in that I've watched Mm. discharge paperwork be handed to him when he's left the hospital. And they tell him to follow up, but the paperwork is so vague that oh. you don't understand, if I was um, in his shoes, what he should do next. And so when someone even communicates to you about what's going on with your condition, it's making sure that you get it in writing. Because a lot of times, if you are just now hearing a diagnosis or an illness, you may not remember every specific detail. I continue to say this all the time about being a CEO of your own health and being an advocate of your own health. In order to be able to do so, you have to have the you have to have the right information and you have to be able to communicate that information so that people can best help you. And then when individuals May do something that doesn't necessarily match what you think is supposed to occur, then you can speak up and say, That is not what I was told, or That is not how it's supposed to be handled. I always say that prevention is better than treatment. And just think about it any of us could be those numbers just by us not understanding or questioning what's going on. We have to know that human problems occur when standards of care, policies, processes or procedures are not followed properly or efficiently. And so somebody might improperly document something. Somebody might mislabel, let's say, a specimen or a lab. Um, There could be knowledge-based errors, meaning that you could assume that your provider knows something that they just don't know. So it's making sure that you're actually... Asking information, and if you don't know what you don't know, getting a second provider in the room to be able to explain to you in a different way. We all know that we communicate different because we all are different human beings and we all are different people, but it's important when it comes to your care because just that one time in itself could cost you your life.
2: So, and and my, so mother, my mother got the best healthcare when she had COVID, but they discharged her, I mean, like pretty quickly. I mean, she was, and she really struggled with it. But then, you know, when they discharged her, we didn't really have more than a day to get ready. And Dr. Knighton was scared to death because, you know, they send you home with these discharge papers. You don't know what's going on. I'm not a doctor. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
2: you know, I was like, fortunately, a physician was next door to my parents. Um, our, our doctor who passed away some 30 years ago, his wife is a registered nurse. She lives across the street. Um, one of my mother's best friends lives around the corner. She's a registered nurse. she had been married to a doctor. Um, and we have, uh, we have a lot of doctors and nurses in particular in our orbit which most people do not have. I mean, they're like social friends. I mean, like, when your mother gets home, let us know. When your father gets home, let us know. And they almost beat us to the door. Girl, if they had not been there, I don't know what we would have done. Because my sister and I are combing through this. My brother's got the blank stare. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I love them. But they were like, oh, okay, they're home. Uh. And, you know, it's, you know, left to the girls. My sister, who is also a biologist by training, that's one of her degrees. We're combing through these papers, looking. When do we give her this medicine? How do we? Do? Girl, it was awful. I mean, because mm-hmm. first of all, cause you're scared to I- death. You know, you, you're scared. You, oh, you yeah. want to make sure that you don't want that you don't make a mistake.
4: It's like that's literally, horrendous. a parent setting off. You're right. It's it's almost like uh, somebody, like a parent, cutting a kid off from, you know, housing and food in a way. And I know that that might seem extreme, but that's how it feels. Imagine being in a hospital where you're getting around-the-clock care, okay? Someone is, like, literally feeding you three times a day. They're making sure that you get washed up. They're doing your dressing changes. They're making sure that they're passing you medications. They're making sure that you're getting that walking. So they're doing absolutely every single thing for you. Even those in-between things, they're making your bed, right? Yeah. And so you go from that to then going to a home care setting and with some instructions that's telling you how to do all of the stuff that somebody was doing for you while you was in the hospital.
1: I'm and you got
4: literally school. less than a day to figure it out. Someone who went to school, I mean, you, you
2: have a PhD, you're a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. Where nurses, I went to, when I was in college, you started doing your practical work, your practica, when you were an undergrad. That's why I always talk to nurses about yeah. my health care, because you start practicing medicine, you get capped after your second year in undergrad. You go into the hospital setting and oh. you start working.
4: Oh, no, it's earlier. It's earlier. Oh. It was I was I was making beds my second week of my nursing school program. And, no,
2: I'm and just doing, about and
4: doing the program. nursing to take care. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean I'm just
2: I'm saying, you know, the formal the formal ceremony because my girlfriends and I went to see some of our friends get capped and it was exciting. And uh, <laughs> but you were working like it, oh, well, you know, because we're like, oh, this is great. And then once i closer to and they're wear, walking around wearing their surgeries and wearing their white outfits. And we're like, oh, girl, you could be a nurse in a few minutes. So it's so sad. <laughs> at a hospital, oh well I mean, you know, because you're proud of your friends, right? You know, you're excited for them. And oh my but also, the good thing is, if any of us got sick, I can say I used to get strep throat twice a year, a couple of my girlfriends were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going down to health care, we're going to do this, you got to have this, you've got to have that, because they had the practical experience. But that is not what we're getting. And, you know, and to be fair, people in the health care system are taxed to the gills. I mean... You don't even have a million hospital beds to 340 million people, which is the most ridiculous thing. So you so you can imagine where we are in terms of healthcare providers. I mean, what are we to do? How do we change this? Exactly. I mean, so in exactly. of the hospital, what, what should we be, oh my gosh, I, would, I, I talked all the way through the break. You know what, can you stay with me for a couple of minutes on the other side? Yes. Stay right there. Back in just a minute on the Santita okay. Jackson show. We can change
1: the world, change the world, change the world. we oh, yes, can. We can change the world. We can change the world, change the world.
0: This is the Santita Jackson, Jackson show. War
1: and hate, to a place of love. It's not too oh. late. Gotta save the children. We.
2: Everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, Monday, January 22nd, 2024, a day before the New Hampshire primaries. Wow. They're going to have to write Joe Biden in, but no one's really worried about that. Or should they be? You've got Dean Phillips running. You've got Marianne Williamson. We're going to be talking about that. And DeSantis dropped out. Wow. No, it's just Nikki Haley and Donald Trump on the Republican side. How long will that last? What will all of that mean? And what is this parade of Republicans who are coming out endorsing Donald Trump? Are they lobbying to become VP? Mm-hmm. Call me, 773 And is Biden strong enough to withstand the Trump train? you got the strongest candidate on the Republican side running, but you have the democratic nominee who is struggling. What does that mean? Call us at 773-763-9278. What would you advise the Democrats to do? 773-763-WCPT. But we were talking with Dr. Shanita Knighton about an experience that many of us have had. Many of us have had loved ones. Many of us have come out of the hospital ourselves. Well, we just need to understand how to do the home care when we get these medical instructions. What should we do? Because, Dr. Knighton, it is intimidating. It is frightening, particularly when you, I was sharing with you, like you shared with me, when you bring a loved one home from the hospital, you're scared to death. I mean, my mother came out of ICU, the intensive care unit, home. (laughs) It's like, are you for real? What are we supposed to do with her? You know, and you want to make sure that you know that they're going to be okay, but you're scared to death.
4: Absolutely you are, and this is where we were talking about is just thinking about, as you mentioned, that transition of care and the fact that you may not have everything that you need at that moment. So what I even recommend people to do now is when it comes down to, let's say, maybe doing a dressing change, um, for example, because that's a real thing. People may go home with a wound or something that they are responsible for changing. And in those instances, I always tell individuals, it's okay to ask, like, hey, can I take a video of you to see what Mm -hmm. you're doing so I can best help if I have to give an injection? you know, asking, can I take a video of you giving that injection so I can best help? And so it's being very intentional about asking the hard questions so that way you can best help your loved one Okay, that you don't know what you don't know. And this is the case for a lot of people where they're in situations of having – first of all, it's already awkward, right? Because these are individuals that you see in a different light. You don't see them as people that you care for. And so it's already awkward having to change that dynamic, but then on top of that, not having the knowledge that you need to do so. So it's okay to ask to take video of what's occurring if it's addressing change or you need to get someone an injection. It's okay to write down directions. It's okay that if you get that discharge paperwork and you feel that it is not adequately explaining to you what it's supposed to occur, Then to follow up and say, hey, I need more clear instructions or education in here that is more applicable to my loved one or my family member instead of something that's going to be so vague. And to your point, Santita, being handed 13, 14 pieces of paper and expected to care for someone and make sure that they're on that proper road to healing, it can be a scary, stressful thing for a caregiver let alone somebody that doesn't have anyone at home to help them to heal and they got to do it on their own. So I always say again, 70% of medical errors occur because of communication as being a barrier. So we're talking about 250,000 deaths. So I just caution people, like make sure that you have what it is that you need. And when things don't seem clear, It's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to be not knowledgeable, meaning I can't go to an economist and tell them about their job. Like, I don't know what it is that they're doing. I can't go to a sociologist and say, like, hey, I know what it is they're doing. I can acknowledge that those are not my areas of expertise. And so I always tell anyone, when you're a patient, you are not a health care provider, that is the time to be a student and ask as many questions as you possibly can, because those questions can be a make or break between saving your life or the life of somebody you care for.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Dr. Shanita night, everybody. Hey, Dr. Nina, that is her handle. Hey, Dr. Nina, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Ask the questions. Ask the questions, and don't leave until you get the answers. There's nothing wrong with not knowing, but there's something wrong with hanging up and still not knowing. How about that? Love you, Dr. Shanina Knight, and thank you so much for that. Wow. Well, hmm. making this pivot, and I know, Dr. Dr. Shanina, you're going to still hang out because you want to hear what's going on with this presidential race, and so do I. Got a tremendous panel who can help us to wind our way through this. Of course, Dr. D., who predicted... All of this. Oh, my goodness. He said all of this will be happening. How are you going to turn a monster into a martyr? And we have done that. I'm not calling President Trump, former President Trump, a monster. But you have certainly blown him up with each indictment. He has become stronger, bigger, tougher to beat. Um, so what about that? Uh, we're talking with Reverend Dr. Todd Esquire. mm uh, National Leadership Team Rainbow Push, Senior Pastor of Douglas Memorial Community Church, Attorney Daryl Jones, uh, Chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition. Um, there is no more leading advocate for our voting rights in, in America today. He and Barbara online do such brilliant work. But let me start with you. Uh, Robert Patillo, I'm gonna let you and Dwight McKee book into this because you all predicted this. No one wanted to believe that Trump could be in this position four years ago, but four years later he's the strongest candidate in the in the Republican party. You've got DeSantis who dropped out. You've got Nikki Haley, who's above 40% in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is kind of interesting though, because everybody can vote in the New Hampshire primary. Um, you can cross party lines. I mean, what are we to make of this? And, and given the fact that it appears that he's the strongest candidate in the, on the Republican side, how can the Democrats mount the weakest candidate On the on the Democratic side against him, and win in the fall. Robert Petillo.
5: Well, I, I think that the the issue with Trump is that you you almost have to play three dimensional chess with Trump. Uh, you can't come head on at him because if you try to beat Trump with Trumpism, Trump is what's going to win. Uh, we've seen you know Trump uh, acolytes try to uh, you know Chris, Chris Christie, for example, uh, he tried to do the, the frank, straight talk, northeastern guy uh, argument against Trump. It just didn't work. Trump just ignored him. Uh, we've seen people try to outsmart Trump, and we've. Really that, that doesn't work either because he has a special connection with his base. What Biden is, uh, is counting on is just the manifest weight of his achievements in the first term and for people to understand the, the difference between what has been achieved in his administration versus what was achieved during the Trump administration, the first one. When you're talking about 64 uh, percent reduction in inflation from 2021 to 2024, you're talking about uh, under 4 percent unemployment uh, for two years, lowest African American unemployment in history. Uh, when you're talking about the chip act, the uh, the infrastructure bill, the Build Back Better Bill, uh, student loan reform, we're getting rid of uh, 1.3 or uh, 134 billion dollars student loans, uh, student loans for three point million uh, borrow- borrowers nationwide. Uh, I think also we're going to see a final kick, uh, as we saw in 2022. By that, I mean, uh, over the summer, we're going to see a series of executive actions and uh, uh, legislation being pushed through. That's why Biden's working so hard on the immigration bill currently, as well as the funding uh, for, the, uh, uh, for Ukraine, Israel, etc., and that he believes that if he's able to do that, he will turn these things around. Because he has that power of incumbency, The difference between himself and Trump is Trump can have as many press conferences and rallies as he wants. Biden has the actual ability to pass legislation to sign executive orders and to make differences. I think that that's going to be the goal. And I think also the Democrats are going to go for all-hands-on-deck approach. It's not going to be Biden versus Trump. It's going to be Biden, Jill, Hillary, uh, Brock, Michelle, Buttigieg, uh, Beto O'Rourke, uh, Cory Booker. Every mainstream uh, uh, well-known Democrat is going to pick a little area around the country, pick a different group that they're going to go appeal to, and hope that that uh, works in putting together the coalition to, it to win. Will that work? I'm not certain. By the they that's the best opportunity possible versus trying to have a head-to-head battle versus Trump. Hmm.
2: So, well, what do you think? What do you think is going to work? I mean, do you think that that approach is going to work? I mean, if Trump has got such an outsized personality because I mean, you know, this is a personality contest, Robert, as much as it is anything.
5: I, I think a big part of it is going to be the, the legal challenges of course that, um, As the campaign kicks into full gear, uh, these these instances that we see of President Biden signing legislation and at the same time Trump in court for rape, Uh, Biden signing legislation Trump's in court for corruption, Uh, Biden signing legislation Trump's in court for uh, stealing money from a charity, Uh, those sorts of things. I think that that contrast is going to play its way out over the course of the summer, and they hope that that is uh, what's going to give them enough time to turn these numbers around. There actually is plenty of time for them to get these things done. And if you look at the biggest rights of the African American community, for example, uh, if he put, if he signs the uh, voting rights executive order uh, into place, uh, if he makes real steps on criminal justice reform, uh, if he's able to put together a study commission on reparations that will uh, take a serious look at putting together recommendations to the federal government on what needs to be done to uh, bring reparations about, I think you start seeing the numbers of African Americans turn around. Uh, if you see a, a big push on student loans, even more so than what we see currently, uh, you'll start seeing more young young voters turn around uh, uh i it's just going to be a question of uh, focus and making sure you can get those things done and using every power of the executive branch to do so
2: hmm. so dwight, what do you think you and I'm letting you and Robert book in this because you all um really arrived at the same conclusion, even as you people disagreed with you four years ago. You said we'd end up here. You said he, he'd run a parallel presidency. He has done that, that is former President Trump. You said he'd be a more, uh, the more beleaguered that he became, the stronger he would become, that his his numbers have risen uh, correspondingly to his legal troubles. So what do you see? DeSantis, who was supposed to be the answer, DeSantis is now gone. Dwight McKee? Okay. Dwight, are you there? Okay. Okay. Well then you know what? Let me switch over to you. Uh let me switch over to you, uh, Reverend Doctor Yeary. DeSantis is now gone.
3: He's gone.
2: I mean, and endorsed Trump on the way out the door. <laughs>
6: Well, the first thing I would say is shocking, right? Uh, The the first indicator of who's got staying power is the campaign finance reports. Who's got money in the bank to be able to spend on ground game and to get media out there? The the real issue is is that the former has cameras following him around. That's why he keeps showing up for court, not because his case is particularly strong, but he basically holds an ad hoc uh, press conference every time something goes uh, contrary in court, right? Everybody's following him, watching him, listening to him. And so it's part of his campaign strategy. So what what got DeSantis out was not that he couldn't be competitive, he couldn't raise money. And after he had the conversation with his funders and said, we just don't see a path, it wasn't that there wasn't a path for him to stay competitive, he couldn't keep enough money to see the uh, primaries all the way through. Now that's where Nikki Haley's going to have to figure it out because I think this is just a a delay, right? It's kind of like, well, we're not sure it's like you get a diagnosis at the hospital. We're not sure how it's going to turn out. We'll have to wait and see. Well, wait and see for her is going to be South Carolina because if she cannot carry her own state, she does not have a path, right? So even if she performs well, And we'll see where the money goes, if she's able to raise money behind it from those within the party who don't necessarily want to see Trump come back as the nominee. If she can't handle her own when South Carolina comes on the board uh, in a few weeks, she's going to have trouble. I think at that point uh, she's going to have to face the music and she'll be next. Whether or not these folks are endorsing on the way out the door to uh, to. Curry favor, whether it's by way of a cabinet appointment, or maybe by way of seeing who might be his running mate, the name that keeps coming up, is whether or not um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, uh, might be inclined to run with Trump, having worked for him in the prior White House, and now she holds an executive chair in the southern state that uh, may actually help him get to his map. Not that Arkansas would ever be in question, but it's it's the, it's the strategy. Right? So on the other side, now it's time for the president to really get out and start talking policy, right? Now you're starting to get some... Some some clarity around who you're running against, and so if it's if it's record against record, if it's President Biden's record against President Trump's record, that's where I think you're going to see the distinction. And I think there there are liabilities on both sides, right? Nobody gets a clean slate, but it's going to be interesting to see and to hear how President Biden begins to formulate that message. And I agree with Robert Patillo; a lot of it's going to be through surrogates. A lot of it's going to be through folks who have. Have resonance with certain parts of the Democratic uh, base to be able to kind of get them past the yawn of uh, just poor messaging of this administration over the last three years to see if they can begin to at least motivate them not so much to engage in the primary but they've got to build the excitement going into the early voting across these uh, very bad competitive battleground states and at the same time they have to remember that the president's popularity and drive, they need to tap into and build because they've got all of the House of Representatives, all 435 seats in play, so the majority on the money side is important. But then you've got not, a not-so-favorable map on the Senate side, where you're already going to lose West Virginia. Tester in Montana may be kind of contested. He got through the last time. We'll see what happens this time. You've got Kirsten Cinema, who's... Uh, an independent but caucusing with the Democrats. She's got problems. You know, the math is not good. And when you have Democratic senators facing uphill battles with an unpopular Democratic president, that could loom large and lead to just significant policy disaster. If this transition, now that there's some clarity, it comes a little earlier. Now's the time for the president to draw some distinctions and to make it really, really clear that his position even though the Afghanistan withdrawal was a debacle, right? We've seen what's going on in terms of uh, the immigration policy on the Southern border. That's still an issue. We still have the lingering issues with the economy that is causing great concern and and pause. He's got to get something going to talk about what he has done so that he can get to talking about what he will do so that folks can say, all right, we see what's going on. Let's see what happens if we give you another four years.
2: Hmm. Call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. What do you think is the strategy? What do you think is going to happen here? Attorney Daryl Jones.
7: Yeah. Good morning, Cynthia You know, I listened to what uh, both uh, Robert and, and uh, Reverend Uri have said, and I couldn't agree more with both of their points. This is what's interesting. Uh, you know, February 24th is the South Carolina primary. If Nikki Haley uh, does not do very well in New Hampshire tomorrow, uh, she's done. And if she's not done in New Hampshire, she certainly will be done by the time she gets to South Carolina. So everything then will be pretty much shored up. And then we follow that up with, you know, as she's heading into uh, South Carolina, what does Tim Scott do, her, uh, her South Carolinian partner? Uh, she endorses her opponent. So it seems like for all intents and purposes, uh, it's just a, a matter of time before Nikki Haley uh, calls it quits. So then it lines up now with uh, uh, President Biden and former President Trump. And, you know, it, just at this point, the former president's uh, ground team, right, his base supporters, they're solid. They've proven themselves solid. You have all these elected officials, these Republican elected officials that are circling the, the, the wagons around former President Trump. Then we look to uh, to the other side of the aisle, right, with, with President Biden. We have this uh, dripping, if you will, from the migration issue. We have seeping, if you will, as a result of uh, Gaza with the young voters. We have seeping, if you will, with Ukraine and, and all the other issues uh, that are there. So there, there's a there's a leakage that's there with President Biden that he can't afford to have occur in a head-to-head with former President Trump. And the question becomes, does he have time and does he have the ability to, you know, shore up uh, those leaks so that he can have a solid ship going into this uh, this, this, uh, this race for the, for the presidency? And I'm not sure that he has. You know, one of the interesting points that, that uh, we, we always discuss is the leakage of black men that, you know, if they don't... Vote for President Biden, if they vote for former President Trump, or if they go in a different direction, or if they're not, you know, encouraged, excited to come out and support him. That's the problem that I think uh, that they're facing right now. The Trump base is excited. They're they're worked up. They're ginned up. They're ready to go. And you're seeing him become more and more favored, even by the members of the Republican Party that are now jumping over to endorse him. You don't see that right now with former President Biden, and that's got to be a concern, Cynthia. I mean,
2: but Daryl, it's got to be a concern, because you see DeSantis, who was – the second coming of Trump, more conservative than Trump. He not only does he fall out after running second in Iowa, wasn't a strong second, but it was a second nonetheless. And then he jumps, he endorses Trump. You've got Tim Scott. I mean, you've got all of these people who are coming out and it's like, wait a minute, they are getting more and more enthusiastic the closer they get to the convention. Daryl, I've got a minute left for you.
7: You know, absolutely. They're getting more enthusiastic. And let's remember this. We still have these cases out there questioning whether or not President Trump will be able to be on a ballot. You know, will he be removed because of uh, the Section 3, uh, 14th Amendment Section 3 questions that are there? All of this is brewing, and I I think Dwight McKee said it best. You know, it it was a monster, but now it's becoming this martyr. Will he be able to overcome the odds that a great American thing that we love to talk about overcoming the greatest odds? That's what this is built enough to, that's my concern, and the question is, how do you slow the train that's coming toward President Trump in this general election? And that's where we are right now.
2: Get off the track so you don't get hit. Back with more for San Diego in a minute. That would be my... We can change the world. Change the world.
0: Change the world. And we can change
1: the world. We can change the world.
0: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Welcome to the Santita Jackson show. It is Monday, January 22nd, 2024. It's a joy to be with you today as we talk about the election 2024 from the presidential down to the local levels that everyone's talking about the presidential uh, primaries. DeSantis has dropped out. What is that going to mean? Nikki Haley still there? Will she be able to hang in there? Call us at 773-763-9278. What will the Democrats do? The Republicans have changed chosen the most popular guy in the party to read their tickets, Democrats, have a president who is struggling, struggling. So let's talk about it at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. You're going to get snapshots from all around the nation about what people are seeing, about what people are seeing. Call me at 773 Let's get to some of these headlines. President Biden will announce abortion and contraception protections today. They include guidance to make no-cost contraceptives more widely available, and a team that aims to ensure access to emergency abortions in U.S. hospitals. The death toll in Gaza passed 25,000 people, according to Palestinian officials. The Gaza's health ministry also said that sixty-two thousand six hundred eighty-one have been wounded in the war, which began after Hamas militants killed about 1,200 people in Israel on October 7th. And at the top of the headlines, Ron DeSantis, Florida governor in his presidential campaign. He struggled to connect with voters and persuade Republicans to back him over former President Donald Trump, who relentlessly attacked the Florida governor with demeaning nicknames. But he, as was noted, failed to connect with the voters. And there you have it. Now it's just uh, the fellow and the gentle lady. That is former President Trump and the former governor of South Carolina and the former his former UN ambassador Nikki Haley. What will happen in South Carolina, what will happen in New Hampshire tomorrow? We will everybody. We have got, uh, of course, we're moving toward the Super Bowl. It's exciting, everybody. The NFL Conference Championship games are set. The Baltimore Ravens host the Kansas City team for the AFC title and the San Francisco 49ers host the Detroit Lions. It is going to be exciting, everybody. In the meantime, in the NBA, the Bulls will be facing off against the Suns tonight. The Timberwolves will be facing off against the Hornets. In the NHL, Chicago will be facing against the Canucks and the wild defeated the hurricane five to two last night let us talk about this presidential campaign it is heating up it is heating up you got a lot of people running but you're not really talking about what's happening on the democratic side dean phillips and marianne williamson and the independent candidates rfk jr who's got a lot of traction but so does cornell west Uh, but Uh, President Biden, who is struggling with the polls, he is still the presumptive nominee. How does that work? Mm, I want you all to call me at 773-763-9278. Will someone who is struggling be able to amass the support that he needs to re-win the presidency against someone who is so strong in in his field in an electorate that is split? According to the Gallup poll, 27% of Uh, Voters identify as Republicans, 27% identify as Democrats, and a plurality identify as independents. So it's anybody's guess, and I guess it's anybody's, uh, anybody's case to make that anybody's race to win. Call us at seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight 763 9278 Of course we've got Dwight McKee, gonna hear from you in a hot second. And um, of course noted social scientists, national leadership team member from Rainbow Push. Reverend Dr. Todd Geary, senior president of, a senior pastor, excuse me, of the Douglas Memorial Community Church, that iconic church in Baltimore, Maryland. You've got the chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, a term, me, attorney Daryl Jones. You've got Robert Petillo, uh national leadership team of Rainbow Push. Uh, of course, the host of his own show on WAOK. Every Sunday from one to four, and of course you are on W O L at twelve noon every Tuesday. Daryl Jones, and then uh, we have got uh, two of our leading figures in American politics: uh, Wisconsin State Senator, excuse me, State Representative LaKeisha Myers, by way of Chicago. Still got to claim you, girl. Got to keep you. Got to keep you there. You know. Wisconsin, what? And then, of course, congressional candidate and Alabama State Senator Marika Coleman. Before I go to you, ladies, we were trying to speak with Dwight on the other side of the break. And, of course, the most brilliant things that he was saying were on mute. What's your assessment of this, of, of this, of 2024? Does Biden have the stuff to, to get all across the finish line first? Um...
7: The
0: worst mistake that the Democrats made in this is that they didn't have a a primary. They didn't put somebody up against Biden to to test his staying power or his uh, capacity to, to compete with Trump or anybody else. And so they didn't have anybody in the bullpen. Yes, every pitcher can't last nine innings. Some pitchers can only last three, some can last four, some just get knocked out in the first inning. And so every successful team needs a bullpen, and the Democrats fail to put anybody in the bullpen, so they find themselves in a situation now where their uh, basic pitcher is getting knocked out the park, and there's nobody around that can come in and looks like and save the game. Um, it's going to be very, very, very difficult because he has painted himself in such a wall between the war in the Ukraine. No, I don't I think, think that he would, his his vice president mm-hmm. can 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 save him. <laughs> I'm not sure whether or not she's a real asset or a liability at this point. I guess it hmm. depends on what community you're dealing with.
2: Well, you know, Alabama State Senator Marika Coleman, also a congressional candidate, your primary is March 5th, maybe it's a little different down there because you have an opportunity to pick up a seat, particularly African-Americans can pick up a seat, so that generates its own excitement, and excitement that we're not feeling any place. I mean, we're feeling in very few places, Senator. So talk to us. What's the conversation like down there?
8: Yeah, so let me, I have not uh, disagreed with Dwight many times through the years that We've been blessed to be on the radio at the same time with you, Santita. But this is one time that I'm going to disagree with Dwight when it comes to the primary. Of course, I've been in many primaries. I've been serving um, in the legislature now for 21, almost 22 years, um, and have had six six elections. Uh, Not having a primary gives me and other Democrats the opportunity to tell the story to prepare for the November election. Instead of us blooding each other, beating each other down, to where then you know you have people who support you that ultimately will not go to the polls in November for whoever the primary um, winner is because they, they 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 feel like you know feel like they hadn't been heard they were they were again their candidate was bloodied so I like the fact that there is no major um, opposition there is some opposition to uh, uh, President Biden right now in the primaries has the opportunity to tell the story. Now, that's the issue right there to me. That is the biggest problem that the Biden administration has had really over all of these years. They have not done a good enough job of telling the story of what or stories of what this uh, administration has accomplished. we got, we got unemployment rates now, at, you know, uh, uh, under 3% in, in 11 states, but now an average of a 3.5% unemployment rate in this country. The lowest in 50 years. Nearly 11 million jobs created since 2021 in this administration. $15 minimum wage for federal workers and contractors. You know, 79% of Americans are have been uh, vaccinated against COVID. I mean, all of these, they have all of these, these great things that are happening, that I don't feel as if they've done a good enough job telling the story. Um, so even me as a lawmaker, I was invited to the White House for all of us to talk about kind of build back better, the infrastructure, what has happened in our particular state. And, um, and, and the administration really wanted us to be ambassadors on the road to be able to tell that story. I did not know before I went there that we had, we gotten, we had gotten $4 billion in infrastructure money to the state. Like, I think there has to be a way to where they're telling that story state by state, county by county, precinct by precinct, so folks know what's going on. Here's the other rub. I just mentioned the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years, but if you can't find a job Mm. yourself, if you don't feel these wonderful things that are happening, then it's as if they have not happened. Um, one of the rubs that we had, and what we talked about specifically from Alabama, there were 20 of us there, and I remember there was a county commissioner there from the Black Belt, one of the poorest counties in um, not just Alabama but in the nation. We were talking specifically about broadband, and we've got all of these millions of dollars now coming into the state to lay these broadband lines, lay these you know these fiber optic lines, so so, so folks have an you know, opportunity now to dial in and be a part of the worldwide. You know, education. You know, the worldwide. We're, now, our students now are not just you know uh, competing nationally; they're competing internationally. We're in a we're in a global society right now. And our rub was just making sure that those lines are laid in the areas where Black folks have the opportunity to benefit, and making sure that Black contractors, if they if they have the if they need that they also have the opportunity to participate in these millions of dollars to lay this cyber attacks so i just think they need to tell the story better um and, and but 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 um uh but again here in alabama it is exciting we're excited because we've had the opportunity now to pick up a second black bishop we only have one african american and one democrat and i'm a partisan saint you know you and i have talked many times but i'm i'm a democrat i am a partisan i think that's the party of right now that is doing the most for black folks. So I'm a partisan. And so um, um, uh, 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 here we're excited because we had the opportunity to pick up additional seats. And so uh, it's a little bit of a different rhetoric here because we're talking specifically to our folks. And so when I'm talking to people as I'm traveling through the, um, the second congressional district, I'm already talking toward November. Um, I am letting them know that we have a former president who is running now again, who says that if he becomes president of the United States again, he's going to be dictator for a day. Now, if he says he's going to be dictator for a day, um, what we've learned is that when a person tells you who they are, believe them. I believe he's going to be dictator for more than a day, right? Um, He is not known for telling the truth. So when I look at the two of these folks, um, President Joe Biden may, and his administration may not be perfect, but he is way better than what we will get when Donald Trump, um, if he was allowed to be uh, um, reelected. And I and I hate to say this, at some point we got to we got to get to the point to where we're truly truly electing folks um, when we're saying we love them so much they're going to do great things. But here, if if you had to choose and you had to choose a, a, a lesser of two evils, you go to Joe Biden. Now, I, I, I love what the administration is doing. I just don't think they're telling the story good enough to let folks know that they've done these amazing things um, around the country. And some of us have got to help them in doing that. Um, so we're, we're excited here. But we're going to pick up this black seat. I'm going to win this election. And the first thing that I'm going to do As a new member of Congress, Marika Coleman is going to vote to elect Hakeem Jeffries as the first African-American Speaker of the House in the history of these United States of America. So that's what I'm excited about. But in order for us to get things done, such as the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, to make sure that we really federalize elections to down south, y'all know that Republicans, instead of coming up with an agenda that speaks to black people other communities of color, the poor disabled vets they rather just a uh, limited amount of people that can vote so we need to federalize elections in order for us to make sure that women have the ability and have access to an abortion We've got to do something at the federal level not going to happen in the southern states and some of those Midwestern ones either. The only way we get a chance to do that, we've got to reelect Joe Biden. We've got to flip the House of Representatives um, as a majority Democrat, and we've got to keep the Senate and actually pick up a few more seats there as well. So uh, for me, we're excited in Alabama and across the country for those folks that know that if, if, if Donald Trump gets back in there again, we will not recognize this country. So
2: what what are you hearing in Milwaukee, State Representative Myers? Are you hearing that kind of enthusiasm?
3: I think we are. When you look at what the – I'm going to talk from the official side as well as the campaign side. There's been a lot of infrastructure in Wisconsin because we know Wisconsin is a purple state. Um, We are going through our own redistricting of – redrawing maps, you know, Daryl knows quite well what's going on here with our state Supreme Court and the fact that we are getting new maps um, and have to get them in short order. So similar to Alabama, not on the congressional Mm -hmm. side, but in the, uh, for our state legislative seats, they will be redrawn and more than likely we will pick up uh, a couple new seats um, as far as the legislature is concerned. So I think all of that is excitement that is building in the state of Wisconsin. I agree with what the Senator said, as far as telling the story, there have been a lot of folks that have had to serve as surrogates. I think we've had to do it more so than we've had to do it in the past with any other administration because people have collective amnesia as to what has been going on because so much has been going on in the last, you know, four five, six years, um, because Trump has cons- consistently been a part of our everyday lives, um, and his antics have continued to be a part of our everyday lives. I think a lot of folks thought, oh, this would be quick and easy, um, you know, with the lawsuit, uh, you know, to make him go away. But, of course, uh, they have it. Uh, It has kind of fed the beast, if you will, in that respect. So he's still making headlines every day. Uh, but I think that, like she said, we we have to be the people that tell the story about how the administration has done and the impact that they've had on our everyday life. Kamala Harris is actually in Wisconsin today, um, you know, in going to one of our um, uh, union work centers um, here in the state. So there are folks that are here. So there have been several trips that she's taken to Wisconsin to, to make sure that turnout is what it needs to be. And I think when you continue to tell the story and look at what has been done by the administration, they're doing the work. They are doing the work and have done the work on behalf of the people, but trying to remind uh, and and make sure that it's at the top of the mind of folks who have to turn out and actually vote and understand what that looks like. And to translate the work into the everyday tangible things that we see every day to make them remember that. Um, that's the that's the role of folks that are in the state legislature. That's the role of people that do talk radio. That's the role of folks that say no, no, no. Remember, this is what has been done for you and on your behalf. So that needs to translate into vote in the ballot box in November. I think you know, I'm always a fan of the October surprise. So I think that, that there will be some things that happen. Uh, and Trump is not out of the woods yet. You know, he's he's the candidate, but I think that there are things that it between now and November, um, he's not out of the woods. And I think he is on the ropes and afraid. Uh, that's why he keeps showing up to court and, and, you know, trying to drum up, you know, press for himself, uh, everywhere he goes. So, you know, I think it's just where we are. Now, um, and I think that, that we will be okay. Uh, when it comes time to, to putting folks in position, to doing what they need to do in november so i think that there's excitement that's building on the ground in some of these states you have like in alabama you ha- in louisiana you have congressional races that that are now building excitement there through redistricting and those processes but I, I think that we are going to be okay when it comes to building the turnout that we need to have um to get rid of him and make sure that he is not in office again so i i've hope that we'll do that. So like your father said, keep hope alive. And that's what I'm doing. I'm,
2: I'm trying to do it, and I'm trying to find right. out, because, you know, in the midst of this, as we go to this break and when we get on the other side, we have to look at this hemorrhaging of black male voters. We have to look at the hemorrhaging of Latino voters. We have to look at the hemorrhaging of Asian American voters. We have to look at young people who are very, very upset at this time about Gaza and about student loans and climate change. There's a lot that's in the air, and while this it is early yet, and... The choices are not as clear-cut. I mean, we do not officially have a Republican nominee. We, in all likelihood, have one. We don't officially have a Democratic nominee, but in all likelihood, we have one. Where are we? Because you have a lot of constituents um, who are not being spoken to. Um, at this time, particularly on the Democratic side. and We have got to talk about that on the Santia Jackson Show. Call us at 773-763-9278 773-763 WCPT You've got to hear just how this race is going for you, this primary on March 5th. You could get another black representative in the U.S. House of Representatives out of Alabama. Uh, The court said we should have it, and it looks like it's going Going to happen. Wow. And we're talking to the person uh, who might carry that banner, who's going to carry that banner. That's why I'm keeping up alive. I know what's going on. i are so excited for so State Senator Marie Coleman. I don't know what to do. We've got a lot to talk about, everybody. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a few minutes. We can change the world, change
1: the world, change the world change the world we can change the world change the world
0: we this can. is the santita jackson show
2: Mikey, McKee, Alabama state senator and congressional candidate looking for a win on March 5th. It looks like, looks like that's what she's going to secure. Uh, and she would be on track to be the second black represent, representative to the U.S. House of Representatives from Alabama, along with my dear friend Terry Sewell. And uh, state, Wisconsin state representative, that's my girl, state representative um, from Wisconsin, by way, of Chicago. Lakeisha Myers, you are, you and and Dwight McKee uh, and uh, State Senator uh, Coleman and State Representative Myers, you all were having an exchange um, while we were off, off air, and I wanted you to come to that. Dwight, you were saying that, you know, the senator disagreeing with you was like, you know, you were like, that's okay. Please, please go into that.
0: Well she asked a, I thought a major question, could people still get their votes? Did they could they uh separate the uh dispassion that they have for what's happening in, in Gaza and what's happening in the Ukraine and you know, and vote uh, based on their other interests. And my position was you you can they can do that sometime in some places. But in the places that were most important for the swing states right now, I don't see how that's possible because it's very personal to them because many of them are Arab or from the Middle East who migrated here or have relatives in Gaza. So these deaths are not just. You know, something they read about in the newspaper. This is their family. These are their relatives. And so they have already decided, many of them, that there's nothing Biden can do to justify what he's done in the Middle East. And they're not going to vote for him. And they are the the margin of difference in some of the states that he most needs. Same thing has happened to a lot of young people around the country. Who their their single issue right now is what's happening to in Gaza, and so you know, and they are the ones that are picketing, they're the ones that's demonstrating, and they're the ones under siege, and so he's lost many of that crowd, and they they they've decided that they are going to go independent, and they are more attracted to guys like you know Cornel West for example, and they're going you know, call it a protest vote or whatever you want to call it, they're just fed up with these kids getting killed. And so I don't think, I think given, one, the nature of the issue that they are emotionally involved with, and second, where they're located in in a contest that's going to be decided by an electoral college, uh it's curtains for Biden is really what I think.
2: But see that's why I wanted right. Alabama State right. Senator Marika Coleman. Yeah. Because the conversation that you're having in Alabama is not the same one they're having in Dearborn, Michigan, right? And in Detroit and in Chicago, um and in Milwaukee and in parts of Los Angeles. You know, people are having different conversations in different Correct. places,
8: right? Yeah, and you actually said something, too, you know, in the break, Santita, about having the largest concentration in Chicago of Palestinians um, in this in this country. And now one thing I'm going to never do is uh, tell a ethnic group how they ought to feel about a particular issue or person. Just like I don't want anybody to try to tell me as a black person how I'm supposed to feel about issues that, you know, impact black folks. Um, what I would ask, though, is, If you you look at the two, because at the end of the day, we're going to have to we're going to have to vote between the two. That's what it's looking like between Joe Biden and former President Trump, um, who says he's going to be dictated for the day. Um, I want you to also delve into what the administration is saying when it comes to the uh, Israel Hamas war. I've had conversations. I've also had um, conversations with my, my Jewish friends and Palestinian friends. Locally, and we have a very small Palestinian um, um, concentration in, in Congressional District 2. Here is the message, so The message is that Israel definitely had um, the, the right to be able to respond to a terror, a terror attack on its home, on its land, um, and where it killed young people, too, that were you know, just trying to have a good time at a festival. But what they don't have the right to do— is to put this devastation that has happened thus far on the civilians, the Palestinian civilians that did not have, didn't ask for this war, were not a part of this war, and so what the administration has been saying. I don't know if anybody has heard it, because even what what I've said is, you have the right to respond, but you need to respond to Hamas, right, <laughs> and not and do whatever you can to not have these civilian casualties. That's what has to happen. But what's going on in Israel right now is that you have the, the most extreme to the right um in Israel who do believe that there should be that the Palestinian people should be demolished. They should, there should be they should be wiped out. You have that extreme right in Israel that is controlling a lot of the rhetoric that is going out nationally and internationally. You have them that are also making decisions. And so now what President Biden cannot be charged for, right? He can't be charged for, you, I can never say his name. The prime minister cannot, <laughs> um, I, I just can't say it, it for whatever reason, I, even if I try to do it phonetically, I can't get it out right. What the, this administration <laughs> cannot be charged with is their crimes. If they, when they continue to bomb areas where civilians are that's and i just i wish that i think again i can't not tell the palestinian americans how to feel because again it is their brothers and sisters um and their cousins and grandmothers that have been impacted their friends um i can't tell even the jewish people how to feel i'm an african-american woman because again it was their brothers and sisters and and mothers and cousins and family members who were killed on October the seventh. But this administration, I believe, needs to take a stronger and a louder stance and showing internationally that they will not continue to support Israel if they do not do what they need to do to stop the civilian casualties in Palestine. And so in my in the district though, because there is such I'm not hearing that the, the the issue as much. It's not coming up as much, but I think when I talk to especially older people, I ask them the question all the time. What do you think the, the number one issue it is for young people? And a lot of them say gun violence, and which is a huge issue for young folks, but also it is a huge issue for young people, even too in the state of Alabama, um, what is happening in Palestine. It is a huge issue.
0: <laughs> uh, Scott, very quickly, if I can say, Biden can be charged pull the bombs, they're his bombs. And they're his bombs. That's the problem that the Democrats have, that Biden has it is. It is, it is their bombs that's being dropped. And Netanyahu has already told them that give me licenses, whatever I want to do. I am not going to compromise. I'm going to kill whoever I want to kill as long as I want to I'm kill them.
8: And there's ain't nothing right there, to do Hawaii. about it. Yeah, on that right there, we should not continue to support if that is going to be the rhetoric and if that's going to be the direction of this war. The, war, the direction of this war should be to annihilate Hamas. That's what it should be, and that's what you know what the direction of this war. But
2: so Marika, let's let's be real. Israel helped to create, Hamas because they didn't want to deal with Yasser, Ar- Yasser, the Ar- Palestinian authority. So they're all up in this and people need to stop playing these games. Biden, the Biden administration has bypassed Congress twice and they have the power over the purse to give all this money to them. We are only four and a half percent of the world. Most of the world is lined up against us on this. And it makes, when you get to Congress, you're going to see just how hard it is to do business. Just a hard I mean, America is losing influence and respect all over the world because of what we're doing there. See, I don't think that that's being adequately co- communicated all around the world. I mean, what this is costing us, what Ukraine has cost us—it's uh, just—it's you know the cost. The cost is just is just too high. I mean, and all yeah. to me, you know. Once you get, I mean, and and of course, like like we said, the conversation that you have in Alabama, you know, it, it they're different. You know, they're different treasures that you feel. But when you get to Washington, you're going to see them all, right? Um, and this is and these are the things that are that are figuring into, uh, I think, his poll numbers, Biden's poll numbers. You know, because in addition to
3: that,
2: I mean, because they're not communicating. Anything. I mean, and let me tell you something, when I gotta pay for ads, when I when I do with my grocery bill, all these academic discussions about how much better things are economically, they don't they don't work for me.
7: Because I'm not feeling it. You know? And you know, Cynthia, you know, if I may, you know, part of the, the the concern that that rolls there as well, because we're talking about, you know, we started talking about uh the, the impact. That the uh, that it will have on the Biden administration in this election, the 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 room that he has for era and a Biden Trump race is extremely narrow. And so when you start dealing with an issue like Gaza and you're dealing with the young voters, you got to remember, you know, for these young voters, you know, the majority of folks living in Gaza are these young voters age. You know, these are children that are being killed in, 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 uh, in Gaza. So it's not necessarily a policy issue that these young voters are seeing. It's a moral issue that these young voters okay. are seeing because they're seeing their people their age being killed. The question becomes for the Biden administration, How do you rescue these voters? How do you bring back these young voters to your side to vote for you? Because it's now a moral issue, not a policy issue. And that's what they've got to face.
8: Yeah, and I'm going to – I think for me, when I look at the two – we're talking about a particular issue, but for me, when I look at the two – it's very personal for me. Um, And Santita knows my story that in 2020, I lost my husband and then I lost five uh, family members back to back from COVID Mm. um, after all of us had been Mm. together at a funeral for another family member. And I think about that often That if we would have had a president at the time, if we would have had a Joe Biden at the time who actually does listen to science and scientists, would there have been a different outcome, not only for my own family, but for other families around the country? And so, again, when I, I, you know, again, I don't I don't want to tell anybody else how to feel, but I know for me, um, it's it's personal. Um, And I charge um, Donald Trump with lots of blood on his hands for many families around this country that had there been a, um, uh, an immediate response to COVID, there had been an immediate um, education nationally that we would not have had the fatalities that we had in this country. And I do charge him for that. And so I cannot see him coming in um, as president again when millions of Americans lost their lives because you refused to listen to scientists.
7: And I think you know we're. Uh, I, I think uh, Santino, uh waiting for Ted to come back. I, I think you know well, that you're no, absolutely let me, let me, right. Let me say the- this.
2: Don't okay. don't let Bob Woodward. And let me, if you don't mind, don't let Bob Woodward off the hook. Bob Woodward say, you every American president's got to sit down and spill their guts to him, so we can write a book about them. He keeps a diary, and he's from Naval Intelligence. This man knew. He, Trump confided in him. He said, this is a mess. We don't even know what this is because no one really knew what it was. Initially, Bob Woodward got a president thrown out of office, Melissa, and Daryl, and Dwight, and Todd, and, and <laughs> I me mean, and Robert got a president thrown out of office. What date. But he decided to hold on to that information because he had to publish a book. Are you kidding me? I don't know how, we can't forget that. He should have said, you know what, this is what I heard in the White House. Y'all, we need to do something about this because we got a mess. Because that was in March of 20, that was like February, March of 2020 when no one knew what the devil this was. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what it was. Last week, what? Everybody was lying to us. Everything, everything is a mess. And the hydroxychloroquine that Trump was taking—guess what? People were taking it around the world. This was saving their lives. Look, I'm sick of sure. all these lies. No, it's just lies. So I'm just saying, if we're going to charge him, I want Bob Woodward on the rack too, because he should have said something. As as one of the top journalists of our time, he had—if you're going to leak anything, since you've been leaking everything for
8: the past six years, so why didn't you leak that? I agree with you, Santita, but he's not running for president of the United States. Trump he is.
2: He's he's running for intelligence man in chief. I can't I can't move unless I talk to him. He should have leaked that because that's the only protected um, a class of of employment in our constitution: the press. He has an obligation to tell me what he knows, and he said nothing. And I. Just, Cause I like you lost, I lost friends too, but I didn't move like you, you lost your relatives. I mean, like in five minutes, it was like, Marika, what's going on girl?
3: <sighs>
2: oh, I'm so I'm just disgusted. Yes. Yeah. Y'all yeah, go on. Cause I'm, I'm done. I'm I'm so
3: through with all of this.
2: You know, I mean, because I'm just so tired of the lies. And I think so many people are tired of the lies and the obfuscations. And that's part of the reason that Trump is winning. And I'm not saying that he doesn't lie. He does. All these jokers do. But people think that they're sending someone to Washington who's going to fight for them. That's real. People have been fighting for us. But he's not communicating any of that. None of it. Why? Why? I don't get it. Is anybody he there? Hello? Okay. Daryl, you about to say something?
7: Uh, you know, Cynthia. Yeah, you know, I, I think that you know I'm certainly in agreement with what uh, uh, Maria Coleman was was saying, and I think that part of the concern when we start talking about you know even dealing with the COVID epidemic and the coronavirus and all that we've gone through. America, you know, our voters have such a short-term memory that, you know, we remember parts of it, but the the worst of it, you know, we generally focus on what's now, what's today, what's here, what's present, what's the hottest button issue, and that's our focus. And that's where my concern becomes, because we know that former President Trump is going to be bringing, and he's going to be hitting uh, on those issues of migration. He's he's going to talk about uh, the, the sanctuary cities. He's going to talk about, you know, all the migrants that are coming into the country and, and and you know uh um, down absorbing resources that should be meant for the American uh, voters. These are the issues he's going to be hitting on. And it's going to be interesting to see how uh, President Biden responds to this. You know, it, you, the money being spent on Ukraine as opposed to being spent on our homeless, those of us that, uh, that are struggling here in the United States, those are going to be the issues they're going to be hitting on. So, you know, I, I, I'm not certain what the plan is on how they will respond, but those are going to be the issues, those kitchen table Issues that American voters are going to be looking for. And that's going to be the push that uh, the former President Trump is pushing on with regards to messaging for President Biden. So I think that, as, as Robert Patillo put it, you know, the surrogates, are, it's going to be heavily dependent on the, on the Biden surrogates, you know, former President uh, Obama and, and, the, and the others that will be out there pushing for him. But they're going to be looking for that leadership, that strong leader that's going to be pushing on those issues. So it's going to be interesting to watch how all of this develops. And it's a real challenge, I think, for, uh, for President Biden to overcome and to take center stage on it.
2: I just wonder how much influence these other influences have. I mean, you know, I just, I wonder, collectively, do they add up to a Trump? Because this isn't 2008, Senator Coleman. I mean, it's, it's 2024. The Obama we knew in 2008 is not the Obama that we perceive in 2024. Not saying that he's not a good guy, but it's just, it's a different, it's a different day. It's a different world. People have different expectations. You know, Representative Myers, I'm just wondering how this is all going to pan out. I really I don't know. I'm keeping hope alive. Just, don't get me wrong, yeah. I am. Don't get me wrong. I have to keep it alive. I mean, I'm keeping hope alive that the people will win. So, my thing is, you know, no matter who gets into office, we're going to have to fight. And I hope that's something that we learned from the Obama years, that no matter what, you have to fight. Something that we should have learned from these years with with Biden, I don't care who gets in office. They have so many people pulling at them, even when there's someone with whom you agree most on most of the issues, they get in there and then you become president, as President Obama said, of everybody and everybody's got equal weight. But the thing is the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know? So, you so, I mean, I, I hear you, you're the president of everybody, but you know what, uh, somebody's got, got a little bit more weight, particularly since I put you in there and that's a mistake. I'll never ever, I, I hope we never ever make a game. You better deliver from me because I cannot afford it. I mean, the study shows that it's going to take black people more than 500 years to achieve economic equity. What? You know, economic equality. Excuse me, equality. We don't have five hundred years. Marika Coleman, you are running for the U.S. Congress. What do you want people to know? Number one, how can how can we uh, help your campaign? Yes.
8: Yes. Yeah, so um, my website is marikaforcongress.com. So it's M E R I K A F O R for Congress um, And and you can check me out there. Um, um, look at the things that I've done. Um, there's some beautiful pictures on there, of course, of my babies when they were young, four and two, and that are, you know, twenty five and twenty three. Um, and so would love for you all to. Uh, Donuts to the campaign, of course, um, when you want to get the message out to 14 counties of 717,000 people, nearly 300,000 registered voters, um, it takes resources. Um, And I've been a fighter for the past almost 22 years, not only in Alabama, but for the issues nationally that impact communities of color, low-income folks especially black people and brown people, women and other marginalized folks throughout my 22 year and beyond, because um, I was actually a community organizer. That's where I started my career. I continue to be an organizer. I tell businesses, you know, I support industry. I do. I want you to locate in my district, but not at the detriment of the worker. If you don't treat your workers well, then I'll be marching on the picket line with your workers. And so, again, we need that level of fight in Washington, D.C. We do need to pick up this seat um, so we can flip the House and I can vote for Hakeem Jeffrey. So, again, it's MarikaForCongress.com. But I also would challenge people to just simply Google me. Again, after a 22-year service, um, there's lots of information out there. I actually Googled myself last night, Santita, and the first thing that came up was a piece of legislation that I'm sponsoring right now to make uh, police body cams a matter of public record. Because right now in the state of Alabama, it's very hard for the press for families to have access to body cam. I had a young man in Congressional District 2 in the city of Mobile that was killed 13 times. And the members of the report came back to try to say that that was not a direct correlation to his death because he did pass away. He was his parents' only child. It took them six months could get a chance to see the body cam video, that should never happen. The other thing that came up was a bill that I have um, that, I'm, uh, that I pre-filed to make it illegal to make there be criminal penalties for a police officer that continues to tase someone who no lo- that's in restraint and no longer poses a threat. Why would you continue to tase a person? We saw a video in Reform, Alabama, where a cop just tased a young man. He was he was complying. She kept on teasing and she kept on teasing and she kept on teasing